Are you immersed in a sea of business advice and education, but not sure what to embark on first? Instead of adding to the ocean of information, we're here to help you navigate it like a pro. The Wayfinding Growth Podcast will help you take a deep dive into new actionable strategies, tools, and tactics to help you grow. So start charting a course for business growth as you explore a better way to grow further, faster, with your hosts, Remington Begg and George B. Thomas. What's up, fellow Wayfinders? It's your boy, George B. Back again, yes, for another episode of Wayfinding Growth. And I'm not alone, which is good, because if I was, this episode would be completely, completely boring. I do have the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only, Remington Begg. How are you doing, fine, sir? I'm doing great. Doing great. Excited to get back on the uh, Wayfinding Growth bandwagon. I feel like it's been a minute. It has been a hot minute. I will tell you this. I'm super excited about this conversation today because while the conversation may sound like it could be very small, it actually may be very big to a lot of companies and a mindset that they have out there because sometimes, and Remington tells me this almost on a daily basis, when you're trying to do everything for everybody, you can almost do nothing for somebody anyway. We'll get into that a little bit more. Let me go ahead and interview the guest with Remington. Let me also let you know who it is. Today we are talking to Vincent Orlek. Some of you might know him, but he is going to talk about channel. And I'll let you know right now. I have a problem with this word, but it's exclusivity. (laughs) of You know, I try. I try. Of content and the benefits and the approach around it. Now, Vincent Orlek definitely knows about some social medias because he is the president of Social Media Club Phoenix and social media manager for Arizona State University Knowledge Enterprise Development. Vincent, why don't you say hey, 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 hey to the Wayfinding Growth community. What's up, everybody? Forks up. Oh, snap. (laughs) Forks up, he said. Forks up. You know, and I will say, Remington, this is really interesting because um, I would say this is the first car interview that we have. Yes. Awesome. First car interview. Yep. Which, uh, which is cool. And I think the first one on a mobile phone. It's, it's like mobile times two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is mobile in mobile, but we must warn you that there is no driving happening and therefore no, no roads have been involved in the making of this episode. Let's go ahead and dive into this. Vincent, we want to give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself to the community. Uh, we want you to be able to kind of tell a couple things, uh, a little bit of your backstory. Let's start with that and then we'll dive in from there. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I really appreciate it. I love the show. Um, I'm a big fan of all things podcasting, and I, and I love what you guys are doing. I guess I got my start uh, without going too crazy with it. Um, I started with TV and radio back in the day in college, and then when I moved out here to Arizona in the mid-2000s, I worked for the newspaper out here and was doing ad sales, and that led me to um, Yelp, of all things, uh, working with small businesses. And I saw a way that I could – essentially do my job as an ad salesperson using Yelp back then because they weren't aware of it, these small mom and pops. And I would go in and be like, hey, do you know you have a page on Yelp that people are talking about you on and leaving positive and, and negative reviews, by the way? Um, and they would appreciate that. And it kind of set, it would build that relationship like as though you know I, I cared about what happened to them, which I, I did. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I started to get my, my feeling about how powerful – social media can be you know i mean we know yelp right now yelp isn't quite 
social media as we know it, but it's it's a it's a it's one of the sort of offshoot platforms. It's it's reviews. I mean, they're super important, um, especially for small businesses uh, on that channel. So um, I I developed that into a social media career. Um, worked for a Facebook program out here in Phoenix for about a year. Um, again, working with small businesses led to working for one of the the bigger startup tech startups out here, managing their social. Um, that's where I met. Uh, Mr. Uh, Fanzo, who we're all familiar with. Uh, me and Brian worked together there for a while, and um, I saw him kind of launch into the stratosphere of, uh, of social media. Um, even back then, he had like five or six Twitter accounts, by the way. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then yeah, from there, I've just I've really just um, tried to hone hone the craft and and learn as much as I can, stay up on things. Um, me and my buddy Adam Lidecker, we have a podcast called More Than Hashtags where we try to talk about things for small business, um, how social media can be used in a practical way. Um, you know, my, my role here with, with uh, Arizona State is, is all social media related. Um, I'm on the, the research side of the university. So our audience, the audience that I'm working with is definitely more um, the funding, trying to, try to talk to the people who, who do the, the funding for the research um, there's some, there's a tertiary audience of, of, we're trying to reach students, but in general, it's more like the, 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 uh, funding sources that, that provide the, the money for research at the, at the university. Um, and then I try to be active within the community. Um, we have a, the tech startup community here is called yes, PHX. And, and I'm a big advocate for, for the tech and startup community here in the Valley. Sounds like fun. Busy yeah. guy. A lot going on. So. So when you talk about when you talk about today, like how are you making a living? You're you're making a living by you work for Arizona State, and yeah, you're, yeah. What's your primary ASU. function? Yep, yeah. full time ASU social media manager uh, for the research side of the university. Um, okay. Social Media Club Phoenix is is all volunteer. The SPHX uh, is all volunteer. Uh, I help out with the marketing side of things there, and then also Phoenix Startup Week uh, is a big deal okay. here once a year or two. Cool. So Vincent, it's it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Brian Fanzo, which he's going to be a guest in the very near future, which we're looking I'm forward shocked. to. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> the guy is almost everywhere. So here's the thing, though. Like when you when you mentioned that, right? It got me to thinking about milestones or or waypoints that you may have had in life. And so I, I don't know if when you were yeah. you know birthed, if you were like, I want to do social media <laughs> for a university, but like. Think of like some things that happened along the way that kind of plotted your course to where you're at today. Yeah, I mean, for sure, I did not uh, come out of the womb thinking I was going to do social media because it, it wasn't in existence yet. Uh, <laughs> neither was the Internet. Well, the Internet may have been, uh, but it was like five <laughs> people in, in Utah or something. They were using it. Right. Um, I like I said, when I went to school, I, I went to school in, back home in Rhode Island and and my whole thing growing up was I'm going to go do sports on TV or radio. And that was my, that was it. Like, that's what I was going to school for. That's what I was going to be. And then I just ran into some roadblocks where I, I did some amazing internships at the local TV and radio stations back, back in Rhode Island, a year each loved it. They let me do everything. They let me go. Like I was, you know, 20 years old going in the locker room with the Patriots and, um, Red Sox and Celtics at the old garden talking to players like interviewing players 
And that was amazing. And I was like, I definitely want to do this. And then I got into sort of the working world and at least in Rhode Island, it's just so small and, and the, the opportunities were so limited. People didn't leave their jobs. Um, New England in general is like that, I think, um, especially at some of the bigger TV and radio stations. It's, it's uh, people will generally like if they, they find a spot there, there's a lot of people that stay there for like 20 years, 30 years. So I hit some roadblocks and, and I have family that has lived out here in Arizona for decades and I used to come and visit. Um, funny enough, they used to send me stuff from ASU, like uh, T-shirts and sweatshirts. So I became a huge ASU football fan and basketball fan back in the day. And when I moved out here, I was like, you know what? I really, one of the first jobs I applied for was was here at ASU. Um, I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get it because, and, you know, good, because I really wasn't experienced enough at that time. I wasn't ready for it. So I, I paid my dues in, at the at the newspaper, the Arizona Republic out here, uh, worked in like the, the call center, starting off classified ads, taking classified ads uh, in the mid 2000s. And I knew I was like, OK, I'm not going to work on a, on a, in a call center. I'm not going to do that. But I'm, while I'm here, I'm going to learn. Right. So even even taking those ads, I was, I was learning about talking with people and and how to how to market how to advertise even in those small three line ads it's 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 hard it was hard in those ads because you had to get a point across in you know however many limited characters similar to twitter you know (laughs) i mean it's very similar um so so that being said like i when i went to go work for facebook here that's when i really realized oh this social media stuff this could be a career like there's people, sure. there's businesses, there's people that are paying money. Facebook is dedicated to this advertising thing, of course, and, and trying to get small businesses um, to advertise on the platform and use the platform. Um, and, and then from there was really j- just taking that knowledge that I learned there and then broadening it with not just Facebook, but Twitter and LinkedIn and everything at the time, um, 2012, 2013, working for the, the data center company that I worked for, I.O., which was essentially a startup. I mean, they had a ton of funding. They were expanding to Singapore. Um, they were doing a whole new thing with uh, modular data centers. So dropping a data center next to the building, next to the company's business almost, rather than having a servers out in like wherever, out here in Phoenix. Right. Managing social media for that type of a company was not easy. You know, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, right, B2B. Talk about B2B. Like that's straight B2B. But even with B2B, as, as you guys know, there's still people involved. There's still decision makers involved. There's still an element of you have to reach these certain people rather than reaching a company. You're reaching decision makers. You're trying to reach the influencers within the company and catch their ear. Um, so, so, I mean, I learned a ton in, in the year or so that I was there, too. And, and I met some amazing people that have led to a lot of things, including um, – connections you know leading to to this particular position and, and other positions that i've had hi now i want to hear about this channel exclusivity so we're, this next section is charting the course so let's let's dive deep and talk to me about what exactly channel exclusivity is this is like a new thing i'm kind of working on right it's it's i feel it's it's my it's my philosophy at this point that i'm i'm trying to see where we, where we are with social media, with marketing, right? There's, as we all know, so 
much noise. There's so much happening. There's content. There's there's news. There's all kinds of stuff happening on Twitter. There's posts on LinkedIn. I mean, there's there's just content everywhere. And as a business, I mean, this is the question I, I hear all the time from people like that own a business. Well, how do I know what platform to go on? How do I know which should I be on every channel? Uh, what should I be posting about? What time should I post? Like all those these questions that have been around for now like ten years, right? Um, it's you have to do something different at this point. You can't you can't just keep doing the same things. Even the companies that have been successful for the for the last several years, at what point does that not be successful? If they've been doing it for the last three to five years, the same thing, and oh, okay, well, there's a success level. Is that going to last? Even like especially on social media and content marketing. So so what I'm really kind of throwing out there is this idea of why am I going to pay attention to you? Why am I going to follow you as a, as a business, as a brand on Twitter, on Facebook, on your Facebook page, on LinkedIn, um, on all these different channels? Why am I going to pay attention if all you're doing is throwing the same stuff out there constantly? Like it's just all all across the board. Even if you're switching up the captions, right? I mean, tailoring the content. The the say you have a blog post. The brand has a blog post, and it's the same blog post, but oh hey, well we you know we changed up the caption on the Facebook post that's different from the tweet. That's great, you know, and it's allegedly appealing to different audiences. Is it really like are are these brands, are companies, are small businesses especially, right? Because resources are limited. Are they able to tailor content? Are they able to to actually do that? So what happens? I I think we're at a point of you have to you have to put something on a channel. And that's the only place that you can find it. Literally. Like you have a video, you have to follow our YouTube channel or you have to go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to it. That's the only place you can see it. And people I think at some level what happens is people understand that after a point in time um for instance like the show i watch all the time is hot ones i don't know if you guys watch hot ones right um by first we feast it's hilarious it's hilarious it's great right the video the main video that they put up all the time you know each each episode is on youtube it's on youtube they may put like a clip or something on on another channel but in general you have to go to their YouTube channel. And really, you have to go to the playlist on YouTube for First We Feast. Because it's not even its own official like, YouTube channel. It's a, it's a playlist in First We Feast. So I, because I like that, okay, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to subscribe and I know. And then YouTube is going to also serve me like what I want to see as well. But I know, oh, First We Feast, uh, Hot Ones. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go check that out for sure. See who's on there. I know I have to go to YouTube to find that. Um you know the the argument against it is well you're you're missing eyeballs on different platforms. I don't think so. I, I think I think you can tease it enough without without actually giving it away on these other channels. But the whole exclusivity side of it is, if you want to read this post, it's on our blog. Here it is. We're not putting it on Twitter or Facebook or anything. It's like we may tell you when it's up, but you have to go here to see it. So that that's the idea. I mean, whether whether that's going to work for everybody, um, but I think I think there's something to be said for 
having that sort of exclusive approach to your content. Well, what do you guys think? Yeah, so so there's <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you asked because there's so much going on in my head. I think there's I think there's two almost two conversations that are happening here right now. One, if you're going to do this, if you're going to buy into this methodology, which I actually think there's something there, Vincent. Um, you have mm-hmm. to create content that people actually want to see, right? Yeah. And so so yes. th- this, if you're going to be exclusive mentally, it pushes you to create something that is better than just what could be regurgitated over and over again. So that's I want to set that to the side yes. and say there's a mindset and something that on the recap episode I'm definitely wanting to play around with and talk about. But the thing that I think is interesting in this, if we're going to dig a, a layer deeper to what you just talked about – is that for a lot of companies, social is a game, right? And that's, you, you kind of giggled and talked about how, well, you changed the title or you changed a little bit of the description or maybe you use a different Im- image because it's, it's a tactic. It's a strategy versus delivering something that the end user is going to love, enjoy, want to be part yes. of and really buy into. Um, and what my question then is, so if that's the case, if, if this, uh, being exclusive. See how I switched the word to something I you can got actually it. say. Uh, by using something or creating something that's exclusive, like what game do you have to play then? And, and why does that even matter to brands? Like just talk to me about the difference of like regurgitated, like poopy content and what you would be then forced into actually creating if you <laughs> went with this mindset. And also before you do that, I want to pull out that we're not necessarily saying that you wouldn't be on other platforms. You would use the other platforms to tease, right? Cause you mentioned that. Right. So, so rewind that viewers and listeners that you're teasing the content, but you have a main pillar. So you're not saying I'm abandoning everything. You're going to do some things, but you right. have this main pillar. But talk to me like just in that general, like why does it even matter for brands and businesses if they're focused on growth to have to push themselves or force themselves to this next level? I think – oh, and let me just um, – because you, you mentioned that about the other channels, it means, it means also that those other channels, like each channel, however many you're on and have the resources for, yeah, put some sort of limited – exclusive content for that channel so like the facebook live video that you do don't take it and put it on youtube make it so that the only place you can see that is on facebook and and make it like a regular thing and maybe maybe consider not reposting it not sharing it make it a live video for real every so often once a month whatever and this is it like you have to if you want to see it you have to be there. So you're you're creating this this urgency, this relevancy, this appointment television, if you will, appointment watching, appointment viewing. I think it I think it makes I think it makes brands if if they were go go down that route, even even sort of go down that route, there's I really think there's a lack of focus on content right now for, for brands and, and again small businesses. Like it's just part of it is resources it's time it's it's the know-how in a lot of cases i mean most companies do not have they may have a social media manager they may have a digital marketer they may have a person dedicated to the content side like writer or writers but they i don't know very few companies i i see have a content marketing team like a true content like a like a five-person content marketing team where there's someone dedicated 
to this particular role, this particular role, um, the, you know, whether it's the writing, the SEO side, the, the, um, even interviewing, like actually doing a story rather than a listicle, um, right. you know, talking to people, taking that initiative, um, to do that. And, and I think it, it would lend itself to a bigger, a, a better focus on and creating better content, creating better content. So one of the things our buddy, Marcus Sheridan, right? Um, Marcus, one of the things I always talk to people about because it's, it matters and it's, it's super smart is they ask you answer, right? That whole aspect, people still don't get that. Even small businesses. I was talking to a group recently of freelancers and, and they were like, Oh, well, I don't know. Some of them knew, actually knew Marcus, knew the book. Most of them, most of them were like, I don't, you mean I should put my price on my website? Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like that type of stuff or, um, you know, giving them that whole idea, relaying that idea of writing a blog post about the topic, um, about what you do specifically, like showing your, your, your knowledge and comparing it to another business. That's a competitor. That's, that's a good thing. Like, yeah, now they're on your website and you're the thought leader and they're listening to you. So that's a good thing. And people are still so hesitant. They're so scared to talk about competitors or to do anything that's, that they feel is, is too out of the box. So more of this, like addressing the need of the customer specifically also relevant needs, because I think there's a lot of companies that they feel like they know the needs of the customer, but they haven't asked them in like two years if yeah, they've asked them true. at all. Right. So they, they like, Oh, well we know what our customers need and want. We know what they're always asking about. Well, do you really, I mean, you may have some idea maybe, um, but ask them, just ask them. And then that becomes a, a content topic that can serve all kinds of purposes. That one question sure. that, that, a that a potential customer has can be turned into, as we know, blog post, a Facebook post, a podcast. One po- a podcast could be dedicated to one question, right? And have different people come on and, and address the question or talk about the, the topic. I mean, there's there's just infinite opportunities to to keep it even still focused while while spreading it and having different types of interesting, relevant content that people want to mm-hmm. want to see. So what I'm hearing you say is is creating like having little commercials, if you will, dare I say commercial to to go after certain content on certain platforms, but really kind of catering it specific to that audience. Right. Am, are we on the right? Am I on the right page yeah. there? Yeah. Like cool. like LinkedIn has a very specific audience, I would say. Right. I mean, right. If, you, if you post a meme on on LinkedIn, they, they yell at you to go back to Facebook. You know, what I, mean? so <laughs> I saw it again yesterday. Um, like having that, having a very business specific piece of content is what you would want for LinkedIn generally. Got having it. a more relatable, like personal, lengthy piece of content you'd want for Facebook or or your blog post. Um, I mean, you know, that's tailoring it. Like, let's really tailor it. Let's really do it. So when we're talking about when we're talking about that, so old way versus the new way that you're talking about, how how does this channel exclusivity really do you think help set companies up for growth? I I think if it's done right, if it's done right and there's a commitment to it, 
I think it naturally would grow the channels that they're on. And it would also, it would help them focus themselves too and focus their resources because maybe they're on, again, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and, you know, and, and they have their blog. Well, maybe they need to drop Twitter and, and LinkedIn because it's not, it's not doing it for them and they should just focus on Facebook and their blog or focus on Twitter and their blog. I mean, you ha- they have to figure that out. They have to figure that because right now there's so many companies, so many businesses spinning their wheels. And it's because they have someone in a position, whether it's a social media manager or a content marketer, like they're just trying to hit some hit some numbers, hit some impression numbers or or clicks or whatever. And they know they can do that with, well, if we write this post about the five best ways to such and such, we know we're going to get this many clicks. Sure. And it's really not serving anybody's anybody's need. Yeah, I love that, Vincent, that we're talking about, A, serving the customer, not being fear-focused when we're going through this. Um, and and I, I think, too, part of this conversation as you move forward and develop this idea is the idea of having a pillar that you're focused on and being laser-focused to kind of – uh, shine that light onto that pillar, even though you're using some sub communities uh, to do that, which I'm actually preaching to myself right now as I'm saying this. But when you think of this, uh, and this may be a selfish question, like are there a set of tools or um, this could be a mindset, a methodology, like digital tools, physical things that you think of that one could use a company, a person to actually um, navigate the ability to stay point focused to that pillar of place where you're going to deliver great amazing content i think i'm gonna i'm gonna throw something out there that's that's not i mean it's a tool but it's not like a like a paid tool or anything like that right um i think even right now even with the focus heavily on on this it's still super underutilized by companies because they don't know how to do it and um, what I would recommend is, and I've done this to a point, um, is Facebook groups. Facebook groups are super powerful, really useful if you want to use them. With the new initiative that Facebook has now towards groups, now they give you analytics. They give you all these tools to approve like who can come in. You can ask questions. You can pre-qualify people to come into the group. Um, Someone that, that has used a Facebook Facebook groups like really well for years is John Loomer. John Loomer uses a, has Facebook groups for his business where it's it's an added feature or it's actually almost a it's a primary feature of one of his like groups of people that pay where they have not instant access but regular access. I think it's daily access to asking him questions. He'll answer their questions and things about Facebook ads. But now groups. So the way you could use it as a tool, if you're a business, you wouldn't go on and create a group about your business. That's not that's not the, the strategy. The strategy is if you're a business that, let's say, let's, um, let's, the one that comes to mind is like an Arizona business that does sunshades, right? These big sunshade things that go over the, the, the patio. So you wouldn't go on and create a group called like Arizona sunshades. You would create a group around something indirectly related to the product and or the things that you talk about regularly in terms of what people want to know about with the weather with um 
you know, the, the local economy, the local business economy, maybe you position yourself as a local business leader, but your group is about local business. And you, that's what you're talking about. And all you're doing is in this group, you're positioning yourself as the thought leader. You can, you can talk about things. You can, you can help people out. You can send them to other places when they ask for help or recommendation, send them somewhere that, that will help them. Guess what? If you are a sunshade company and someone asks for a recommendation for a sunshade company, but you are out of their price range and you know someone else that's not, what would happen if you sent them, hey, you know what? We're a sunshade company. I don't know where you're fit. I mean, certainly check us out, but these guys are, are maybe more your speed. Like you're truly, it sounds nuts to a lot of people. I, I, I get it. Like businesses, they don't want to send leads somewhere else. But it's actually doing more for you if you are just out there to help the customer, like truly help the customer find what they need. Um, that goes so long away because then it's people, then that person's talking about it. They're like, oh, yeah, these guys, they'll probably go check you out anyway. right? They'll, they'll definitely go look at your website anyway. They'll click on it and be like, oh, they're super nice. Yeah, they're a little pricey for me, but, oh, my buddy needs a new sunshade. And he's got the, the million-dollar home down the street. He can afford them. Mm. Send them that way. Stuff like that. I mean, you know, you guys know about this too. I know you do because I've talked to you about it where helping people, that is that is where it's at. That is where I found the most value in my life, business, personal. Like that's that's what has always worked. No matter what, that is what's always worked. Amen. Yeah, amen to that. And it's funny because what I hear in this whole kind of conversation that we're having about being exclusive and, and yes, it is about being exclusive, but really it's actually a conversation that's quickly turning on. Well, if you want to grow, because this is wayfinding growth show, then it is forcing yourself through exclusivity to actually pick a place that is your pillar for content and pick a way to do business in a more human way. Vincent, it's amazing that you actually mentioned Facebook groups because when you think about groups, it really pulls away or tears away from the fabric of sell and, and selling and really goes into the more human side, the engagement side, the helpful side, the value side. Um, yes. And so that's really the story that's being told through that and and even talking about john loomer or we have facebook groups that we manage as well like we realize uh if you want a deeper level versus the uh, the front facade that everybody puts on with their social media channels that's a place where you can get that which is absolutely amazing um i'm, I'm gonna ask you a question that might be a little bit difficult for you to answer it maybe not i don't know but it's something that hit my mind and i just want to want to ask you why do you think right now in 2018 and moving forward that this whole thing of being human in business and focused on value over sales and and exclusive over everywhere is so stinking important to companies well it's it's funny because i i think it's always been important it's i think in back in the day it was it was important back in the 50s and the 20s and it was it was important to a point i if anything, now it's more important just because of the level of transparency that exists heavily due to social media. I mean, you can or uh, website. I mean, you can see anything about a company at this point. You can see anything about generally anybody. Like if someone and I do this all the time when I get hit up on LinkedIn for 
hey, yeah, you know, you should, these random DMs about, you should check out this product I'm selling. I mean, I, I might take a minute and go, like, look at their profile or see if they're on Twitter, see what they're tweeting about. You know, I, I do go and do that. I don't know if everybody does that. I know I know people in our industry I've talked to tend to do stuff like that um, just because we know, you know, that's, that's available to do that. Um, but I, I do think it's because of this, this transparency level that these companies, they, if they're not, if they're not on a, on a human level and, and look, the whole, the H2H thing, like we all, that's been, it's been done. Like we know, we, we know it has to be on a human level. And, and for that to, if you're a company that's not doing that, you're, you're done. That's the first thing. Like that's, sure. you're automatically out of the game for the most part. Um, even, even in the B2B world, I really feel that I, I feel like these, these companies that are even in the B2B space that are super technical, you know, super business ish. Um, ish. it still comes down, right. It still comes down to like a sale is based on sort of the, the likability, you know, it's, it's always yep. that it's, it's always that do you feel comfortable making a purchase being, being sold something from this person, this company, because do you trust them? And, and that's, I don't think that's changed for, for years. Um, I just think now it's just so scaled where you can see, you can see whether you want to trust someone or not really quickly. And you're going to make a judgment. People make judgments now really quickly rather than waiting to hear the person that knocks at their door, giving a pitch, right? They, they're not doing that. They're, most people are not yeah. listening unless they're going to goof on the person. Um, <laughs> most people are not listening to these pitches. Everyone's been pitched right. a million times. We're, we're all used to it. Awesome. No, that's that's very true. Um, you know, especially on social media nowadays too, personally yeah. and professionally. So cool. Well, this week's episode is brought to you by the Impulse Creative website and marketing audits. So often people look for shiny new websites or want to sign up for marketing retainers with agencies without fully understanding what the strategy and the changes should be. So our audits will demystify that process and set everyone up for success from the get go. I love being demystified. Also, <laughs> you know what else I love? I love the Bermuda Triangle. You know, actually, it's one of my lifelong bucket list goals to scuba dive in the Bermuda Triangle because I want to find all the lost things that are there. But, but, <laughs> the treasure, <laughs> the treasure, you know, you're going to give us some treasure right here in this section because I really want to know, Vincent, from your perspective, like, where do companies get lost around this whole conversation of being exclusive with great content in one area and being laser focused? Yeah, they, I think they, they get lost. Well, I, as we touched on before, I don't think many do it. I don't think there's, there's much focus at all. Um, I, I, I think that there's a, a, a problem at this point where it is just about hitting some sort of numbers. Um, not really seeing the forest for the trees. Um, it's, it's not doing anybody any good. <laughs> like you can just, you can just Google something and, and you'll see, you know, these listicles, you'll see 10 of the same exact one, uh, one from each year or five from this year. So mm -hmm. where they're getting lost is they're, they're not 
they're not focused really most are not focused at all they're, they're just kind of throwing stuff out there seeing what sticks which that has its place but not when that's all you're doing not when you're not then taking what sticks and making more out of it and I, and I feel like that's what happens is they just throw it out there see what sticks and then they're just taking another handful of stuff throwing it out there and seeing what sticks and and not pushing forward in a big way with with what resonated with their audience yeah i think that's um that's an interesting point because on a couple other episodes we did previously we talked a lot about um about using data to actually move forward so like to that point it's this like yeah. pay and spray method that um this is kind of where you're where you're going there but so when so let's let's assume that companies are trying to r- run in this direction with channel exclusivity and trying to cater their content with that focus that we, that we've discussed. What is, um, what's that pirate to watch out for when you start running into like this situation? So like we're on the, we're, we're on the boat where you're, we're on the direction. Everyone's bought in. What, what are the things that you have to avoid? I think you'd have to avoid, picking the wrong thing to focus on okay uh that would be a big one um you have to it it does take and it will take some very close specific paying attention to really what what to focus on because obviously if you focus on the wrong thing if you take the if you take what you think is like this pillar this this content that you think is the pillar and should live on this channel and that's where it's going to be um, if you do the, if you pick the wrong thing or the wrong channel, like, yeah, that could go bad. That could go wrong. Um, so constantly keeping an eye on it, you know, like you mentioned the data, like looking at the data, um, giving it a chance to breathe also while still maintaining that, that monitoring of it where you, you have a handle on it. That's, that's the thing. Having, having a handle on what, it is specifically like you you have to know you have to know if it's if it's any good um so in the preliminary side having that piece of content or having that content strategy ask people ask other people within the company ask people outside the company you know it's guess what your piece of content that you are like oh well we're not going to launch it till this day this morning and it's it's going to be this huge this uh secret thing it's in general, nobody cares. Just I'm putting it out there in general. Nobody cares that it's like this secret piece of thing that you think is so secret. It's going to be out there in, in a day and then it's not secret anymore. So just get some feedback from people, get, get those opinions from people on what could be better. Is this any good? You, so many people are so close to their, their, their baby, their content like that, that they don't want to let go and they don't want to listen. And, they, they just don't and then it's just out there and now it's like nothing happened and if they had hmm. just listened to someone ahead of time they maybe there was a small tweak or maybe there was a bigger a bigger tweak so so really having a handle on what that content needs to be um again serving serving your customers serving your audience as to what they want to what they want to see like truly what they want to see yeah i love it. getting that right for the audience specifically yeah So the thing is, you guys can't see what Remington and I do behind the scenes, but as we're interviewing the guests, we're fervishly 
preparing notes for the recap episodes. But even past that, we love to send out the newsletter, the monthly newsletter. But you have to actually go and sign up for that newsletter so that you can get it. And so therefore, go sign up for the newsletter. Get our really deepest, intimate, ooh, that got a little weird, thoughts around all the topics that we cover <laughs> with all the guests anyway what else is and weird is exclusive you, yeah exclusive it is exclusive to exclusive. one channel our email channel see practice what you preach people practice love what it. you <laughs> preach but here's what i will also say this is really weird because usually remington does that section but today we got it a little bit going weird so i still have to introduce my favorite section of the show you know what it is it's time for captain killing it where we talk about somebody who's doing something amazing on the internet or well not so much so vincent when you think about the interwebs and content and great content and pillars and being exclusive and being laser focused by the way folks that's a small recap of what we've talked about today on the show who comes to mind or who's doing the exact opposite of that junk and should get a oh man um yeah, so there's there's so many different ways to go here. Positive, <laughs> negative. I mean, I, I so many choices, but you know, I'm going to I'm going to keep it positive and I'm going to shout out this one particular Twitter account. Um I think that they do a fantastic job of they stick with they defined ahead of time before they launched it and then stick with their brand voice. In a big way, the branding overall is like on point. They basically, in my opinion, revived really a dead brand. I hadn't heard of them since I was a kid, and now I because I follow them on Twitter. But I see them, I see more people following them, paying attention. Um, so Stakeums, Stakeums on Twitter. Are you guys following really? Stakeum on Twitter? I'm not. Stakeum? I'm not following Stakeum, but I should. They're amazing. They're amazing. The, the, they have a couple people, I think, that, that run the account, but they definitely have a, a specific brand voice. It's it's not really like if you were to be the marketing, the CMO at, at Stake, and you're like, we need a social media persona. What should this be? I don't, I don't think that everybody would have come up with this particular brand voice slash persona because it's definitely a little weird. Uh, it's a little off the wall, off the beaten path, but, but it's, it's entertaining. Um, there's a, there's a, a certain sense of humor there, but it's a little weird. And they, their, their hashtag is like stake them bless. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and that's how they end a lot of the, the tweets and things. Um, but they, they are just really smart in terms of they, they gathered attention for themselves. When I noticed them, they were on this campaign to get the, the blue check mark for their account. Gotcha. They didn't have it. And they were like tagging Jack and had had people like tagging Jack for them. And it, it, it was really good um, as far as those types of things go. Uh, but they just continue on a daily basis to, to work in and, and even be relevant. Um, plus, they have they have merch like Stakeham has merch. You can buy a T-shirt or get a T-shirt exclusively with like a, a T-Rex on it eating a, a box of Stakeums or something. It's crazy. And I love it. And and one that's similar to that is Moon Pie, where it's like they're weird. And then they came out of nowhere to have a social media brand voice. Um, but Stakem was really the first one. And I really like I love that they jumped at doing something different 
than what everybody else was doing out there because there's nothing there was nothing to that point like they have been doing pie i haven't even looked at moon pie moon pie so and i think that'll is be fun. it at stakeum i think it's at stakeum all right sweet well well vincent it has been fun um loved riffing this out with you thanks so much where do people connect with you if they want to if they want to continue this conversation being a social media uh manager passionate about the industry i'm everywhere um i'm not exclusive on any channel uh, although that may change in the future um no it's just it, my name vincent orlek on if you search that pretty much everywhere i i have a, a channel but I'm, I'm most active on love connecting with people on linkedin um following back people on twitter that that connecting with people there um my facebook page um, I mean, you name it. Snapchat, of course, Instagram, everywhere, everywhere. All right, awesome. Well, we'll, we'll drop some links in the show notes so that we can uh, so we can give people those direct links to to connect with you. But thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. You, this was like an yeah. uh, an honor to be on with you guys. It is my turn, and I have to tell you, as soon as I get off of the show, I need to go downstairs. I need to tell my wife that she needs to start a Twitter account and follow Stakeum because, well, we love Stakeum. They're amazing. Yes. <laughs> but here's what I will say, folks: if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the bells, the likes, all those things, so we know you're part of the community. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you head over, leave us a rating and review. Five stars and some nice words is always good to see inside of well itunes i wish it would go other places as well and make sure if you have any questions you let us know because we're trying to help you find the path to your growth for your company any conversations any topics you want to cover we're here for you but until next time make sure that you are doing all you can do to leave the dock of mediocrity and set sail into the sunset of your success